You are listening to episode 15 of the Henshin Dad podcast, and in this episode, I'm talking about that new Kamen Rider movie you might have heard about called Heisei Generations Forever. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Henshin Dad podcast. As you heard at the top of the episode, my name is Wes, I am the Henshin Dad, and I am here to talk to you about the Heisei Generations Forever movie that you uh, might have heard about, might have watched a little bit, might have seen some things about it on the social medias, and I'm going to talk about my thoughts on the movie now that it's finally subtitled, but a little bit of an apology, you know front and center i'm going to be recording in my truck this is really the only place where i could record right now in order to get this episode on time and it's just raining 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 this week at my location which will remain disclosed or undisclosed or can't even remember which one that's supposed to be but it is raining a lot there's not a whole lot i can do about the rain and there's really nowhere to record for me right now i mean you can choose between some raindrops on my roof or you can choose between that and a baby crying so you know whatever works here but you know i feel like the rain is very fitting for this movie because you have that really iconic scene with sogo and uh oh man i am blanking on his name sento sogo and sento in the rain and it looks really cool so you know what just consider it to be like an atmospheric you know four-dimensional cool thing for you like it's really immersing yourself in the movie so anyway the heisei generations forever movie this is i guess purportedly the last heisei generations movie even though the previous one was called heisei generations final yeah i don't know it's kind of weird that they went from final to forever but i digress this is the last movie in the heisei era basically for the last common writer of the heisei area common writer G-O. and it's it's really like an homage to the 20 or so Heisei writers from the 2000s when Kuga showed up to now with uh, Kamen Rider Geo. And they don't really, you know, do anything with the 90s writers. Although that would have been a really cool idea if they had, you know, snuck them in there somewhere. But since they're considered Showa-era writers for some reason or another, that's not... They're not involved in this whatsoever. So this is a Kamen Rider Geo and Kamen Rider Build crossover movie, basically. Those casts are the ones that really shine in this movie and they get the spotlight and whatnot. But that is not everybody because they are celebrating 20 years of Heisei Kamen Rider and everybody is here in one way, shape, or form. Not necessarily as, you know, the actors showing up necessarily, but there is a lot of good Kamen Rider representation in this movie. So overall, my feelings on this movie are, this is a great movie. This is a very meaningful movie. This is really like the, cl- the closing of an era. And I really appreciated a lot of the callbacks they did and a lot of the stuff that they really focused on with their story. I, I thought they did a really good job, honestly. And wow, there's, you know, problems in there's problems in every single Common Rider movie. Like, you know, let's just be straight with that. There are plot holes. They will abandon their own rules just for fun. Common Rider Geo is full of that. This entire season has just been abandoning rules and everything. And while I still like it, you know, that's just how it is. This is just kind of the thing you have to expect when you go into, you know, more modern Common Rider series. I feel like the one that did the best job, you know, explaining all their plot holes was Common Rider W, but I digress. Anyway, uh, the good of this movie. There's a lot of good in this movie, and I'm going to focus on the things that I find positive. I'll save my negatives or the meh moments at the end of the podcast, but the good is that all Heisei writers do appear in suit in this movie, and some of them even use original voice clips, and I think they even had some actually come in and reprise the voice roles now the only ones that appear out of suit oh by the way there is a lot of uh, spoilers in this podcast so you know i'm letting you know this right now spoilers so go away if you don't want to 
spoil it and then come back after you listen. So anyway, uh, some appear out of suit. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have Sento who appears out of suit as Common Rider build. And uh, you, I believe Deno shows Yeah, obviously I believe Deno shows up. But Deno shows up. Uh, Ryotaro. Uh, I can't remember his, the actor's name, but the guy who plays Ryotaro, he shows up on screen for the first time in years. He's been too busy doing the Kenshin movies and whatnot. But you also hear a lot of the voice clips when they're actually like in suit and such. So... I really enjoyed hearing like some of those things that I've been used to. Like uh, I believe him in Commodore drive, like you heard the sound of the belt and everything. And he talks to the belt and, uh, Ankh talks to AG because I guess he's got this, uh, repaired, uh, Taka metal and whatnot, but they, they appear and some have their own original voices and some have voice clips. I, I'm assuming that were lifted from previous movies and previous clips from the show. I have to imagine they went to the well for some of these actors. Cause I don't think they got all of them back. And, I I think I even heard uh, Forze's voice act, Forze's actor uh, do some kind of voice. So whether that's a voice clip or whether it's an original clip, I don't know. But regardless, the, the fact that they're actually trying to incorporate all these things to make you think like, oh, yeah, these are actually the characters in suit. That's great. I remember seeing previous movies where, you know, the Showa versus Heisei movie and the superhero Tyson movies and whatnot, where some of the actors just did not sound like themselves at all. And they, you know, obviously had to get somebody else to do the voice, but... They did not sound whatsoever. So for the most part, I think they did a really good job. Either, you know, if they got soundalikes, it really sounded like them. Or if they actually got, like, clips from previous episodes back or previous movies back or they actually had the actor back, That's they did a really good job trying to get all of them back in some way, shape, or form. And for the ones, like Kuga, who will refuse to come back, they didn't do either. Although they did show some nice pictures at the end during the credits of, you know, Odagiri Joe or whatever his name is, the guy who played Kuga. So they do have pictures of him, so they can use his likeness at least with the photos and whatnot. But Kuga didn't have, like, any voice whatsoever, like, no grunts or anything, even when he's fighting. So that was probably the good route to go, kind of giving them that mythological status and whatnot as the first Heisei writer and whatever there that entails. So the cameos were good, although I gotta say, Rogue was basically, like, non-existent in this movie. He showed up, like, twice, I think, and that was pretty much it. Um, the guy who plays Grease showed up a little bit more, and he actually had a bit more of a you know lengthier part in this. But the guy who played Rogue just didn't do a whole lot, honestly. But uh, as far as that, as far as Cammy goes, oh by the way, the, that callback to Grease as Otoya from Kiva was great. The guy actually like confused. Like, he's like, oh, well, you look like the Otoya from Kiva and whatnot, because you know, in this entire movie it's about this guy who comes in contact with an imagine imagine and basically wishes that common writers were fiction and whatnot and it's kind of convoluted because you got a lot of time travel with this with the another deno character and the another double who wasn't really explained very well and you got this time jacker named tid or teed or whatever his name is who wasn't really explained you know aside from all that like it really used a lot of the common writer source material well like having the imagine come back and actually do like oh we fulfill wishes and whatnot and when the contract's complete we go to the past to whatever the specific memory is that you have of whatever it is that you were wishing about and that was really cool and again seeing Ryotaro return for that that is a good way to kind of tie him into the plot a little bit better although they they don't really say a whole lot about him he kind of just shows up and then leaves and everything and Momotaro takes you know the helm basically as the Deno representation in this movie. It was really good. I, I really like how they 
tried to make sure that this can fit in insofar as it is able to, you know, conflicting backstories and, you know, mythologies aside, they tried to make everything work. And that's great. They did a lot of good effort to do that. And I have to say the cinematography was really top notch. Like this felt like a real theatrical film. Unlike a lot of the writer movies, they kind of looked just like, you know, lengthy episodes of the show. Not a whole lot special going on with it. A lot of Sentai movies do that, especially. They don't really look like a film quality uh, feature, but this one really felt like, oh yeah, this is a theatrical presentation. This is really well done, and they tried to use their special effects budget as best they can to not, you know, you don't see as many writers transforming. It's kind of done off screen, and they cut in with the suit and everything, but I think that's so they could, you know, save the money for the, the big CG stuff. And I, I really like this. Really, I don't think I've felt this way about a Kamen Rider movie since probably Kamen Rider W's, like, A to Z, Forever, Gaia Memories, whatnot. I don't think I've felt this way about a Rider movie since then. So props to them for making it really feel like a good, big film. So that, that honestly, most of this movie is filled with good. Like, I could go on and on about things that I enjoyed and whatnot, but I got to touch on a few things that I did not like as much. Now... Going back to this guy named uh, the Time Jacker, I can't even remember his name, possibly, but he just did not feel. I don't really understand what in the world his purpose was in this movie. It was just really, like, weird. Like, he wanted the commentator to disappear, but he wasn't really, like, the Time Jacker. As a matter of fact, I don't feel like. He, I don't even remember seeing any of the Time Jackers in this movie. Someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember seeing any of them. So his presence just felt kind of superfluous like where were the others like do they know him does he have a past with them not really you don't really know anything about this guy honestly and so he just kind of shows up and does his thing and that's it and you know he does travel back to you know when to like the casket that with the kuga belt was found in and everything and he's able to steal the kuga powers to make another kuga and whatnot and that's great but then he's another kuga but then the kid's another kuga and everything and it was just i don't know i'm not sure how i felt about that honestly um, making the kid a singularity point, though, that was a really good thing, going back to things I like. You know, referring back to Deno and everything, because time travel in Deno, that's probably the best. And, but anyway, yeah, this time jacker guy, I didn't really feel a lot from him. So, yeah, anyway, and, and another, you know, minor gripe is that Ryotaro, you know, having the guy show up was great, but he only appeared as, you know, being possessed by Udotaros, and they didn't do any kind of scene where he jumps back and forth between the imagined other than in the Deno suit. And, you know, we've seen that a lot of times, but I just wanted to see him as, you know, playing the different Imagine on his own. And I, he's got the acting chops for that. He did that for that entire year and for, you know, movies afterwards. And he just did a great job with it. That guy's a extraordinary, extraordinary actor. And I just wanted to see that happen. I, I know it's probably due to the fact that they didn't have a lot of time with him. They probably only had like, what, two hours or so. And that's all they wanted to do. And they just wanted to put him in like, you know, his best looking imagine personality where he's got the glasses and everything the cool hair and whatnot and the fancy suit so that's probably what they wanted they probably just wanted that you know awesome coolness appeal there but it, it just felt kind of wasted we didn't even see him as momotaros and momotaros talks to him and everything and we didn't even see him as his actual self too i mean you saw his eyes like go from blue to normal but his hair didn't change in anything and he didn't talk like as himself he didn't play Ryotaro. he played the Urotaros version of Ryotaro. And that was kind of disappointing to me. I mean, you can kind of hear his voice. They did the thing like, like in the first episode of Deno or the first couple episodes, they kind of mixed the voices together of both the guy who plays Ryotaro and the Imagine, but then they just switched it over to the Imagine later on. Probably just easier that way, not having to mix the voices together. But they kind of did that mixing in this film and that made it so that you kind of hear what he was saying, but not a whole lot. So, I mean, disappointing. 
a little bit. Just just a little bit disappointing. Uh, the Kuka callbacks were really great. Like I said, going to that, you know, car- sarcophagus coffin thingy where they got the Kuka belt and everything. That was really cool. But the another Kuka design, ugh, gross, man. That was just a CG monstrosity. And, you know, they you could tell they were trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel with their CG budget because they just did not have a lot of writers transform on screen and whatnot. And they were really saving for this big monster. But he just looked but ugly let me tell you he was just meh and another thing you know probably the last thing honestly that i would talk about would be the the double watch just kind of coming out of nowhere it kind of just felt forced just so that you can get the double watch and or common rider w watch w double watch whatever you call it the, the, the that watch for shotaro and philip and whatnot and he gets it from just this random like food stall guy who's watching the fight and between uh uh, Sogo and I believe it was uh, another double. I could be wrong, but I believe it's another double versus Sogo. And this guy watching, he's like, oh, yeah, Shotaro told me about you. And he gave him the watch. And that was kind of like the little MacGuffin that got them between the world of, you know, Kamen Rider as fiction and the world as Kamen Rider as, you know, the normal Kamen Rider world and whatnot. But th- there was nothing from Shotaro or Philip. I mean, they used their voice samples, obviously, for the transformation because I can't imagine the guy, the Philip. Phillips actor would be able to come back since he's such a big star now and whatnot, but that's just like that's it. That's all you had to do in order to get the the watch. I and I just don't see anything coming up in the show later on that will actually allow them to do like a proper double tribute and whatnot. So I'm kind of like, ah oh, man, one of my, no, not just one of my favorite writer. That is my favorite writer series, honestly, coming out of double. That didn't get like a really good tribute in the show itself and even in the movie i I thought i I was you know a little upset that you would see it in the movie but when i heard the news about it and whatnot that they were going to use another double for the movie and whatnot but i was like okay it's got to be good right because they're not doing anything in the show about it and then you get to the movie and it's just like it's almost as throwaway as the show honestly and the another double suit is really cool and all that but they didn't really make a good use of it so honestly this one this Kamen Rider Double just feels like it's getting, you know, the shaft from actually getting a good tribute. And that's just such a bummer. I know they got the manga out and everything, and that's several volumes in. And it's supposed to be pretty good. And he's getting all these different ride watches for, like, Fang Joker and Just Joker and whatnot. But I have to say, my, that would be my biggest disappointment, honestly, with this movie. That you just didn't get that proper tribute from any of the actors. I mean, I... that stall owner couldn't i don't think he was an actor you couldn't get the santa guy back or the the guy with the big afro or you know queen and elizabeth you couldn't get any of them back for this you couldn't get axel uh you couldn't get any of them that's just kind of a bummer honestly and i feel like a lot of them are still fans of the show i mean the guy who played axel was in uh common rider drive and one of those movies the returns movie so I don't know. That was that was my big disappointment, and I'm sorry I'm harping on it for so long. But you know, it, the movie was really good, though. Overall, I really enjoyed it. I think they did a great job, and I just am so looking forward to seeing like what's to come from here. Like as someone who started watching, you know, right after Deno ended, and right when Kiva was starting and everything, and I that's when I really jumped into Ryder and you know Whole Hog, and went back to watch some of these other shows. I was really pleased with it. I think they did a great job, and I think any writer fan from the last 20 years would find it interesting as well. 
and good. I, it was a good movie, I think. You know, plot holes aside, you know, uninteresting villain aside, it was just good to see all these writers coming together, you know, not just like the Heisei and Showa movie, and not like, you know, all the other Heisei generations. You get some back and not... Like, they tried to show as many as they could. And for that, I give them a lot of credit. But let me know what you felt about this movie, whether good or bad. I'd love to hear from you. You can send me, like, a little voicemail through the uh, Anchor app, I guess. I don't really know anything about it. I need to look into that a little bit more. But you can also send me an email and you'll get my contact information at the end. Twitter as well. Twitter is probably the easiest place to get a hold of me since that's like where I check the most. But thank you for listening. I'm sorry about all of the rain that's happening. Hopefully my loud talking will make up for that. So I just, yeah, let's just uh, pour one out for the Heisei generation of Kamen Rider and let's move on to the Reiwa generation coming up really really soon complete thank you for listening to this episode of the henshin dad podcast if you have any questions or comments for me please feel free to reach out to me i am at henshin dad on twitter that is h-e-n-s-h-i-n-d-a-d or you can reach me by email at henshin at gmail.com and until next time cast off